Welcome to The Pursuit of Love. I don't even know which episode number this is, Matt. You got one for me? 27. What is it? 27. 27. We're clicking up there. We're clicking up yeah. there. What are we going to do for a 100th episode? Start planning that early. We'll be 100 years old by the time we get to yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> have Amanda Vinci from the EA Institute. Uh, Amanda has been part of our sales game room. What was that about six months ago, Amanda? Yeah, I believe yeah, and, I think uh, yeah, it would have been. It would have been out six, seven months ago, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. And uh, and Amanda is a is a good friend of mine and Steve's. Uh, she's a phenomenal businesswoman. We're stoked to have her on the show today because, uh, well, how do we describe Amanda, Steve? We want Amanda on the show um, because she has an ability to see the positive light in just about everything that has happened along the business journey so far. <laughs> uh, and because yeah. of that, she's found herself in quite a unique position in business. She's doing super well these days. Uh, we would like to say it's 99% sales game, 1% Amanda. We'll make that claim. I think we'll put that in a testimonial <laughs> at, at some stage soon. We'll just get you to sign off on that one. But welcome, Amanda. Sure, it's great to have you here. I love, I love, what an intro. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, you, you probably can take that full claim. I would say that a huge portion <laughs> of the success has been from the sales game. I tell you so much from that, that still, uh, I still see today that I'm learning from that session. So it was unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, totally. yeah, love that. Love the positivity. I'm all about yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. So uh, the EA Institute, uh, you guys, obviously you were started, you were born in Melbourne. Um, or you you personally were born in Perth, but the EA Institute yeah. was born in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and how's the ride been so far? How's the how's the pursuit of your love gone for you so far? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a roller coaster. Do you know it's only been probably the last six months? Interesting from since the sales game that I've really started to just settle in and enjoy and have fun inside of this. Yes. Uh, you know, first years for me was all about survival. Uh, second year I was feeling just just lost inside of it and now it's just all about having fun. So it's been a role. I mean, I know everyone says it's such a cliche, it's been a roller coaster, but it really feels like it has been. And, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying the ride right now. Nice. Did you ever yeah. want to quit out of curiosity? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, a couple of times I definitely considered could there be a, a life outside of being a business owner? I don't know that quitting was there because for me, when I decided to leave my, my full-time corporate job and start this, I in my mind, it was like I had burnt that bridge. It was like I literally metaphorically burnt a bridge for me that I would mm. never, ever, ever, ever go back to that life. So... Mm. Even when it was tough, I don't know that I ever would have quit, but certainly did I consider, you know, is it meant to be this hard? Maybe, you know, I'm missing something here. Maybe mm. I will leave and start, go back. But I, I don't think it was ever that strong that I would, that I was going to quit. But yeah, certainly there were dark times for sure. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? We were, yeah. uh, Steve and I were saying this um, when we were just at the most recent trip in Melbourne there, Steve, yeah. how we were saying that, uh you know, despite Steve and I running our own businesses previously to this and do, and still doing our own sort of separate things on the side, when you start your own thing, no matter what you're doing, no matter how mm. experienced you are, no matter how big your network is, you always have to go through the startup phase. Like mm. it, it always needs time to grow. It always yeah. needs time to flower, no matter yeah. how long you've been in business before that. I think it's an interesting thing. Like, and, and we're so impatient as human beings. Yeah. Like we are so, we are, we take things way too seriously and we're way too impatient. I tell you what, if we got rid of those things, the whole journey would be a whole lot, uh, whole lot more enjoyable. That's for sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. We all, we want it yesterday, don't we? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It takes way too long. How'd you end up, how'd you end up getting into it all? Like what, what was the, um, what was the, what was the journey going from, working you were working as an EA were you yeah yeah so I was working uh as an executive assistant but the I suppose the last six months I was more in had moved into a bit of a consultant junior kind of consultant role 
So uh, where I worked, I worked for a change management consultancy where we focused on the leadership sort of area of uh, leadership teams, so executives and and CEOs. That was our focus. And uh, I had sort of like an option to move more into a consultant role there. Mm -hmm. But of course, being an EA, I really saw that there was a real gap between developing the CEOs and the executives in their thinking, but then not bringing the the support function with them on that journey, there was a real gap and the gap just kept getting bigger and it was really hard for them to uh, really execute on what they wanted to execute on because when they would go back after doing some of the training that we were doing at the time, uh, they didn't really know how to translate what they had learnt to the people that were supporting them. Mm. Uh, So that was something that I really started to observe and uh, I suppose I shared a lot of that with them but they didn't really see the value in uh, going down that path Mm. as in developing the EAs but for me the reason why I I suppose I left was you know I think I don't know I mean for me I think most business businesses are are sort of formed from frustration (laughs) as in you Mm. not having something or or not experiencing something and then experiencing that thing and then realizing that this is actually available and then uh, wanting everyone to have that thing. That's kind of like... That's so well said. Yeah. That's kind of how it, uh, it... That's certainly how it kind of translated for me. So, you know, being an executive assistant, typically you kind of don't uh, get seen in any way but just sort of supporting somebody else. And it wasn't until I started working for this uh, this company where I had just the most amazing mentor who still is my mentor today and he saw that I could be anything really. Uh, There was no limit, there is no limit to human capability and what we can achieve and uh, just opened my eyes to having the, the, I suppose, the what's possible when someone believes in you Mm -hmm. really is what Mm -hmm. it comes down to, what it comes down to uh, for me. And then I just wanted that for everyone, especially in this profession for executive assistants. So I just saw the value in leadership specifically because having some phenomenal leaders just just changes the game. It really Mm. just changes the game in what you can do and what you can achieve. Mm. It's interesting because we're finding that like as we play the sales game more and more in different groups and different like countries and Mm. even seeing different types of people play the game, I'm curious to know in your field because you work with EAs all the time. But me and Darcy have noticed that some of the greatest solutions and some of the greatest ideas actually come from the quiet people in the room. Most of the time we're young females, Darcy, that we're in support positions. Yeah. Um, But it's almost like they didn't feel like they could speak up. They were, you know, they were there more to just facilitate, you know, things. Yeah. Uh, but do you find that as well, that it kind of links back to that idea of when you start actually believing in people yeah. and their, their capabilities, that people flourish? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more with that statement. I, you know, I think that most executive assistants have kind of constructed what it means to be that. It's it's very like, uh, if you to imagine, it's kind of like, well, stereotyping what that role is based on yeah. what it has been, especially if we look at what you know, media and what TV tells us an assistant does, it is super stereotyped to be that quiet person that doesn't speak up. And if you do, you might get, uh, you know, you might you might get seen in a way that's not appropriate for what you what you can do in your role. You stepped over the line, sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And you know, I think that by allowing people to feel that they have so much more to give and that they actually have some amazing uh, value to add is that sort of mm. that start of having the trust in people to be able to speak up for sure. Is that where mm. your frustration come from, Amanda? You mentioned that uh, it was great to have someone actually believe in you and that showed you what you could yeah. move towards. Mm. Uh, was there a part of you that, say, went back to uh, the job or, or realised that the frustration was that that didn't exist at your current role or was there another frustration for you that you moved away from? Yeah, I think uh, I suppose the frustration came from me realising that 13 years of me in this profession felt like it was wasted. 
Mm. As in, I could have had such a bigger impact in uh, the organization's success in every single one of my roles if I had only known what it meant to be a self-leader. Because Mm. the unfortunate thing is that, you know, most people that get uh, appointed to leadership positions some are phenomenal leaders and that's fantastic and they've, they've built on that, but some just don't know what that means. They're, they're hired and put into positions based on their technical capabilities, hmm. uh, but they don't know what it means to be a leader of people. So uh, there is an element of having to find that within. Like, hmm. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it's like learning to understand that you don't need to have an amazing leader to, have, uh, to be a leader. You can learn how to self-lead. And I think that from my frustration was that aha moment of, wow, look at what I'm achieving now uh, because, you know, I had I had brought in, it, it completely transformed how I viewed my support function uh, from being someone that was just sort of waiting to someone that was generating and understanding how mm. to support the business's growth and what I did to support that and how I could. Uh, versus just sort of sitting in uh, a waiting pen. Mm. That just made me realise that it was just like this frustration that, wow, what what could have happened if I had known this 13 years ago? And no one, mm. I don't want anyone else to have to go through their whole career uh, without realising that there's something more. And, and I think to add to that, it's that moment of, you know, I did so frustration's one part of starting the business, but it was also... Uh, you know, when I had, before starting the business, I was always seeking fulfilment. So before starting the business or even uh, before, yeah, before I even knew that I wanted to start a business, I was always seeking fulfilment. And uh, I always thought that having my own business would give me that. So I was always looking down that path Mm. well and truly. You know, I'd come from a a business family. My parents were business owners, small business owners, so I'd always thought that that would be the path I'd take and I thought that would be uh, fulfilment. But mm. in my last year in my role as an EA, I was so fulfilled, fulfilled. It was unbelievable. And the only reason why I left wasn't to get away from something, to have fulfilment. It was because I wanted everyone to experience what I experienced in that last year, mm. uh, which is such a fundamental shift, such a yes. completely different shift. Yeah, nice. Why do, why do you think you needed other people to experience it after you had? Uh, again, I think it's just uh, we we live like we're always trying to chase something, but it's right there if we know how to get it. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand how we can be the authors of that. We don't need to it, – it's not going to come to us. We have to sort of seek it and find it. I think, uh, but also, yeah, I, I suppose that would probably be what. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I suppose that I don't know if that answers your question, Darcy. But yeah, for me, it was always really about how can I. Yeah, I don't know if that answers it for you. It does. Well, it kind of seems like people when people jump into this whole like pursuit of love type thing, or you hear it a fair bit, particularly in the business world. Mm-hmm. Or anyone pursuing the thing that they love for the thing they want to do mm. most of their time. It seems to be like a bit of a portal. Mm. It seems to be like you step through and you realize you can't ever go back. Mm. It's kind of like when you're saying, you know, it gets tough. You want to like, you kind of like, oh, there's got to be easier ways to, to make a living. And there is. Yeah. But you still can't allow yourself to go all right, I'm going back to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think I think it's so exciting. I think life becomes an adventure on that other mm-hmm. side because you see a lot of people, I think, you know, um, I, I maybe they're content and that's fine, but they just, you see potential in them that they could really tap into, mm. but it's almost just purely out of comfort or fear or whatever it may be that they just stay in a normal job or they just do the nine to five, you know what I mean? Mm. And then and then they almost believe over time that they can't step into that. But I think I get what you're saying. You know, I want to, I want as many other people to be fired up to create whatever it is that they want to create yeah. and, and, and can self-author that, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. Yeah, completely. I think it's, uh, you know, we, the EA profession or the EA role is, 
it has been at least limiting around what can be possible for that role. Mm. Uh, it mm. certainly is not. Mm. The limits are endless, uh, but a lot of people don't see that possibility. And I suppose that's that's the thing that drives me and inspires me and lights me up is mm. bridging that gap between breaking that limit down and seeing what's possible. I think you know this might be a great metaphor to sort of or an example here of what I'm what I'm sharing. Uh, we so we lived in Perth when I grew up. We had a five acre block and it was it was just all bushland. Parents wanted. They thought that they would be farmers, but that never equated to anything apart from a small little veggie patch and a couple of chickens. Uh, but in any case, there was a lot of land and we had uh, a dog. So we wanted to make sure that the dog wouldn't, uh, you know, go beyond its means, go beyond its area. So there was uh, a fence, an electric fence that was put on with the collar around the dog, our dog at the time. And... Uh, Every time it would go near it, it would get like a little shock that would just stop the, stop the dog from going anywhere beyond that point. Uh, within a week, we didn't need to wear the collar on the dog anymore, but the dog just realised that that was a limit between where, where, where it could go. It was sort mm-hmm. of constrained to that limitation and didn't realise that, hey, there's so much more that you can do now. The collar's off. You can do whatever you want. And I think that sometimes in life we, we start to construct what we think is possible based on what others tell us is possible or based on what we start gaining evidence for. And then we just stop looking for anything against that. We just stop looking mm-hmm. for evidence to, to counter, counter, uh, counter that particular view. So, uh, yeah, that's something that really drives me. That's awesome. Great story. Well, how do you go, Amanda, at that, that point that people realise uh, they've been living a life for safety? without even mm. realising it to the point that they can realise they can have possibility and opportunity. The, re- the reason I ask this is mm. uh, I, would Im- I would imagine that you would have a lot of students leave your trainings and leave your experiences going, yeah, I thought I was just going to get another executive assistant training, but this mm. was something else completely. I'm yeah. guessing you probably got a lot of people say it felt like it wasn't even really about being executive assistant. It was more about mm. being a great person. Yeah. What are drop moments like for, for students in the room? I'm really curious. Uh, as in, say that last bit again, what are the... What are those penny drop moments like for people? Oh, uh, yeah. I remember the first time I realised that it's, I was like, whoa, this isn't just yeah. learning how to do this. This is possibility-focused learning. How is it like for your students? Yeah, I think it's that uh, there's that, I suppose there's a couple, a couple of stages that go on. There's the first stage, which is the denial, where people are like, no, 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 that can't be possible. There's got to be some limits to what that what I can achieve. But then when they start to see actually anything they've achieved that was sort of beyond what they thought was possible came from a place of not thinking that first until they achieved the thing, uh, you can start seeing evidence for that uh, even based on simple things like thinking I couldn't possibly go and speak in front of the room here and then doing it and going, oh, I didn't die. It, you know that I can do that thing so I think that certainly there's that uh there's the first stage where there's the I don't think that's possible and then there's the realization that wow we we really are amazing humans and I think there's enough evidence in the world to prove that we can really achieve remarkable things when we think we can nice the mm-hmm. banister four minute mile is the greatest. yeah I think that's a great example of that yeah I love that well, may, maybe it's because you're also working with people that may may actually have quite high levels of humility to begin with, you know. Typically, the people that yeah. think like, oh, I, I, I'm, you know, I can't do this or yeah. maybe I'm not ready for that yet. They're normally the people that aren't overly confident because I think sometimes Completely. being overly confident is worse than thinking that you can't mm. do things, you know. Mm. There's nothing worse than that person that goes on X Factor thinking they can really, really <laughs> sing and they profess themselves to be the next superstar and they just suck, you know. But the person that blows yeah, us actually. away is the person like, oh, I just kind of sing just in by myself, just quiet. And then they then they get the opportunity to release it to the world. And everyone's like, holy heck, that's amazing. Where have you been all my life, you know? I love um, that. It's so I was, true. I was, my, I was reading my favorite book yesterday, The War of Art. And uh, Stephen Pressfield, the author, is talking about uh, typically the people that question themselves like, am I an artist? Am I a photographer? Am I a poet? 
the people that are like, am I really that? The people that question that are usually are those things. Yeah. And the people that say, I am a blah, you know, an overly, overly confident profess to the world what they are typically aren't overly sure of their abilities. Yeah. Um, so it's this weird kind of paradox, isn't it, that perhaps it's those, those people that aren't quite sure of themselves, but you give them the opportunity and then they realise that yeah. they've got endless mm-hmm. possibilities are the ones that not only do great work, but you also want to back them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's certain characteristics in humans that we like, I, I, you love seeing the, the person that didn't think they could, but then did yes. win. We just, there's something so innate within <laughs> us that it's <laughs> exactly. just like, oh, I love that person. I so want to see them win, you know? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. You're right. There's that that want, that desire to wanting to see that person win, especially the people that are that that quiet achiever in the corner uh, that don't think that they have it in them and then all of a sudden they achieve some remarkable thing and that it starts to become real in the world. Uh, yeah, and, and you're right. I would say that this that anyone in a support role or at least the majority, a huge chunk of them, uh, have been in support roles and typically that looks like uh, being behind an executive and being behind the leader that's achieving the remarkable things. Now, of course, we know that that's not the case. Uh, however, that's the mentality that sometimes surrounds it. So putting them in the forefront mm-hmm. is just a t- completely different uh, paradigm shift and yeah with that comes some amazing results for sure yeah that's fascinating mm. so I suppose the thing I'm curious about then like it seems like there's a forever there's there's unlimited upside here you got people that have got potential within themselves you want to back them because they're kind of you know humble and quiet achievers um, you know the the business gets so much further ahead because you know they've got people that are self-leading and creating in alignment to the company's vision, then why the heck doesn't everyone, why aren't you the, the you know, like why doesn't everyone in a leadership position see this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's happening, Steve. It's happening. All right. Yeah, yeah. World domination's a real thing. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Joke. I'm so sure of it too. <laughs> we joke. We'll all, be, we'll all have EA Institute tattoos before we know it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, we, uh, I had a, a business meeting and, uh, you know, some pretty, some, a pretty important business meeting and they asked, what's our five-year plan? And, uh, of course, the, the first thing that came to my mind was world domination and it just came out of my mouth and I thought as I was saying it, what am I doing here? Um, but it ended up being quite a bit of a joke and now it still is. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a real thing. Uh, but, look, I think... I think the main reason why it's it's still taking some time, as in traditionally the way that we developed the administration profession in the past was very technical based and it's important that executive assistants, administrators have the technical skills. Uh, but sort of now I suppose more than ever we're having a different influx of leaders that don't need as much technical support anymore. Uh, And they Mm -hmm. need someone to be able to drive the business forward with them, uh, especially when they're not around. Because as we know, leaders aren't sitting there just handling emails all day. So we need people around us that can uh, handle things for us uh, and not have to, it's almost a second you. Uh, Yeah. And I don't, I think that there's a couple of uh, things that are getting in the way of that. I would say one is that traditionally, uh, if you look, the support function looks very different and what we look at on TV and media is is that old support function. And I think people just don't know what they what they need and what they want. They yeah. they have an indication of the fact that they need support, but they don't think of it like that. They think of it from a technical uh, support function versus it being, mm. well, can actually I have someone uh, attend meetings on my behalf and make decisions on my behalf and uh, understand my vision and my purpose and answer people and my, uh, that kind of thinking is quite is still I suppose the bridge that we're we're crossing right now and having people see that executive assistants can actually do that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm. That's 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 so uh, that's so awesome. Have you heard of the marshmallow challenge? Yeah, I have. It, With the spaghetti sticks and building the towers. Yes. Yeah. Do, did you find it interesting the whole bit where, you know, you get a CEO and then you put an EA with them, all of a sudden their <laughs> results go up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so makes sense. For everyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, like go go YouTube. I think it's like a TED Talk. It is. 
uh, the marshmallow challenge. Uh, it's quite it's quite interesting. It's about sort of prototyping and creative thinking. Um, but yeah, I just thought of that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it is it was quite fascinating. Someone else did share that with me. But yeah, the the whole uh, premise was they had a few different examples of different categories, and they had a group of CEOs uh, trying to problem solve this particular marshmallow challenge. And then they did the same thing by adding an executive assistant and their productivity went through the roof, which I, which I think is yeah. quite fascinating. That's really good for really business. Really good for business, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Marshmallow Challenge. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Exactly. It's essentially, you, you're tasked to build the, large, the tallest freestanding structure with 20 sticks of spaghetti, one marshmallow and a yard of tape and a yard of string. Yeah. And uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it does it's look. definitely worth checking <laughs> Definitely worth um, checking out. Amanda, you said that uh, this the last six months in business has been quite uh, fruitful for you, mm. uh, challenging, I'm sure, yes. as well. But um, you said it, it had a lot to do with just having a bit more fun on the journey. Yeah. Um, what did you sort of find yourself relaxing back into? What What did that actually look like for you, having more fun on the journey? Yeah, I think, uh, geez, we put so much – well, I certainly put so much significance on, uh, I suppose uh, – put so much significance on winning, uh, as in winning this game called business, uh, and less Mm. on why I'm even doing this. So it it was like I had found myself Mm. disconnected to the the purpose of why I even started this to begin with. But I think the things that I probably did was just, uh, you know, the little things, like the things that I enjoy the most and uh, doing more of that and eliminating the things that had slipped into business life uh, because I thought I needed to or I had to or it was uh, a requirement for me to be successful. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, advice, I suppose, around what makes a successful entrepreneur and what it looks like to be a business owner. Uh, yeah. And it, it really is about finding your own unique version of that. Uh, yeah, there's just that's certainly what probably be my biggest lesson is is what are the things that I really enjoy and and crafting it and creating it uh, versus it being kind of a cookie cutter version of what it should look like. I think that's been a big lesson for me mm. over the last six months. Mm. Oh, this, happens, is, this is what we're finding so more and more of. Steve and I were at uh, Pause Fest in Melbourne. What was that about a month ago, Steve? A bit more. And uh, we met the guys from Black Magic. Steve, what did we sort of value their, value their company at? Well, they turn over three hundred and fifty mil a year. Three hundred fifty mil, and uh, they're what do they? Matt, you'll know this. What do they specifically? Yeah, take us away, Matt. What's the uh, what's the elevator oh, pitch for hey, Black Matt. Magic? Hey, Matt here, everyone. <laughs> they're just a they're a, a digital video camera company. Yeah, that have kind of um, taken the market by introducing a camera that looks uh, very close to the quality of what you get from like $100,000 like Arri Alexas or cinema, Reds. Cinema yeah, like stuff. cinema cameras, but they're at like consumer level prices. And they do they do a lot of color grading software. And all yeah, and they released a program called DaVinci for color grading it. And now that's like the industry standard. For Hollywood, Hollywood um, films yeah, like and everything. Wow. everything. Austral- Australian company, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. So they're pretty good at what they do. Australia's actually got an awesome... Um, uh, like we're very well known for our post-production facilities yeah, cool. in the entertainment world. Australia is. Australia's got a lot of like animation <laughs> departments and um, CGI yeah. departments and that kind of thing. Like, yeah, a lot of... Yeah, we still can't make a good Australian film. No, <laughs> we're just good at like working <laughs> on other people's films. <laughs> we, can work with, we can work with the Yanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we met these guys from Black Magic, um, the CEO and I think his right-hand man. The founders, at, yeah. Yeah, the founders, and it was just so interesting to realize they were they were seriously just blokes. Like you would, that's how you'd describe mm. them. You wouldn't describe them as men, as guys. They were blokes. Yeah. Like they were just so easygoing, yeah, so normal, so median. Um, you would never think that they were sitting on a you know three hundred million dollar turnover bank account or anything like yeah. this. You know, and mm. I think the more that you meet a lot of this, it comes back to this confidence mm. discussion as well. It's like a lot of time the people trying to show the most confidence are often the ones hiding the fact that perhaps they don't have all that much when you look under mm. the hood mm. um, as opposed to just having a great conversation with a good good person mm. that knows how to run a business. They're often so much more humble yeah. about it, mm. I find. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's because they realize that the best thing they can do for their business is to be themselves. Mm. 
and to create from that inner core of like your true desires. I I, I suffered from this for years. Yeah. It's only probably now, probably similar timing to you, uh, Amanda, that I'm fully becoming more and more comfortable mm. to be myself and to do to do the things that I love to do and create the things that I love to create and uh, and be the quirky me that is me, yeah. you know. And so for years I thought that I had to be a certain way to be a businessman. Mm. Um, you know, dress a certain way, talk a certain way, present yourself in a certain way. Mm. Um, and then no, go figure, go, go walk through Sydney or Melbourne Airport and you just have a look at clones of people yeah. that have no identity. Yeah. And you can see it on their face. I'm yeah. sure they're an entirely different person when it hits the weekend. And that's when the real, real them gets to shine. Yeah. And then they have to do this corporate drudgery that it's not them. Mm. It's not who they are, you know. And so I think this is, this, is, uh, this is a message worth spreading. I think it's a big part of the sales game, Das, is that you can truly be yourself. You can, you can have a ton of fun and you can see your business numbers grow mm. at the same time. Mm. I used to think those two things were mutually exclusive. Mm. You have fun and you enjoy yourself or your numbers grow. Yeah. I completely see that and, I, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that because the sales game definitely had me, I suppose, connect that as in see that I can have fun, be me, all of me, the quirky, the stupid, the, the fun, yeah. the all of that, the positive, all of the things uh, and uh, still have some ma- amazing results and, in fact, it's been easier <laughs> It's been, yes. mm-hmm. it's been so much easier, which is just so interesting in itself. I, it's, yeah, so it's it's definitely from that session I started to see that, hold hold on, I'm not giving all of me here. I am only allowing people to see certain parts and, uh, you know, when they, especially, I suppose, before they become someone that's inside of our community, uh, once they're in our community, then it's all of me. But before it was all about, I have to have a different face out there and then once people know me and they've bought from me, then I can give them all of me. But having that flip and understanding that being you everywhere has just yeah. completely transformed how I show up and I think that's just why I'm having so much more fun now because, you know, I, yeah, I just don't care as much <laughs> in the way of trying to protect anything. It's just be me yeah, and nice. it doesn't matter. Have a whole lot of energy that way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so much more energy. Yeah. Well, it's almost like you've got nothing to protect then. There's no facade to protect. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect way of saying it. There's no facade to protect anymore. Uh, So I'm no longer thinking. And, you know, I think that's the thing. It's that getting stuck in the thinking and the feeling around how versus just trusting your natural abilities and just trusting Mm. that you have everything you need and you don't need to think about it or uh, you know, none of that comes to play. You just just do you, and it will work. Yeah, <laughs> it's as simple yes. as that. Yeah, yeah. So good. Did you uh, working in the role with, like you said, a lot of leaders and CEOs back when you were in the job? Yeah. Uh, did you? I'm curious if there be even a story or two. Did you ever meet some CEOs or leaders that were just like, man, where did where did life do you wrong? You know, like. <laughs> Where, did they ever have characters or traits that were just so evidently, I don't know, perhaps uh, shined and polished onto them by the corporate world and things like uh, this? As in, did I see that in some of the leaders? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's, uh, you know, I think that there, oh, geez, one person in particular, I speak about her a lot because she is, uh, she was, uh Started, she brought the business, brought over the business from America to the to Australia, but she was cutthroat, as in she was just, she had this persona uh, that was so fundamentally different to who she really was at her core and she really believed that she needed to be that way uh, in business because she was a female, she'd brought the business over from the US, there was a view that she, she had a point to prove uh, and she was really just like a horrible person to work for. But I learned so much mm. working with her and I'm so grateful from the, for the experience. Uh, but, yeah, there, there were heaps. I mean, I think that any executive assistant could probably give you at least a handful of uh, EA uh, executives that they'd worked for in their time where they just thought, geez, what, what happened to you for you to be <laughs> the way you are in life yeah. and the way that you see mm. the world so differently? Uh, 
but yeah, there's um, yeah, yes, fascinating. Many, too many. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so crazy, like um, how often we assume what other people are thinking of us, and how seriously we take our own thought. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. Like I I assume that this person thinks this of me, so that must be true, and that must be how I'm going to act in response. Yeah, I think a heap mm-hmm. of that comes out. The fear of other people's opinions mm. that you've cooked up in your own head. Yeah. 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 All <laughs> assumptions. That, that, like that they haven't even thought about. Yeah. <laughs> All assumptions. And then we stick it on like a label and make it true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then right. try and solve that problem. <laughs> try and mm. solve that problem. Exactly. What a waste of time. <laughs> it's so funny. It is so it's true. So much of our time is wasted time solving problems we created in our own head <laughs> yeah. that we then need to conjure up a solution to that never needed a solution to begin it with. It is so, so true. I reckon we should uh, we should dive into the, the last two questions. because oh, we, we got we, other questions we, too. We normally – okay, let's do a few questions because we normally leave them right to the end, but I've, I, I just have a feeling there's going to be something to dive a yeah, little bit deeper into oh, on this geez, one. Oh, you know? Okay. <laughs> Just have a feeling. Go for it, Steve. I'm just tapping into uh, that. Steve, I had, to, I had to ask this question. I had to ask this question at a, at a wedding party the other night. We were all standing around a group of us guys and we were just having like deep and meaningful discussions. I was like, oh, yes, yes, the, the, the podcast question. I'll ask the podcast question. It's Steve's question to ask. I completely messed it up. But anyway, for those of you that were listening at the wedding party, this is how the question was meant to be asked. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. What is something you've come to know and believe to be true that you know a bunch of other people simply disagree with? Oh, well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just... World domination. Yeah. <laughs> World domination is possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think... Uh, um, uh, so I suppose, you know, I've talked about possibility a lot on this, but I think that you know, the, the self-limits that we, the limits that we put on ourselves uh, that we believe are true that stop us achieving ultimately what we desire. You know, I think that there's, you know, years, if you were to ask me 10, 20 years ago, 10, 20 years ago, what would I have been 10? So that wouldn't have, no, 14, <laughs> sorry. I still live in like I'm 30. Uh, you know, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, what would I be doing now? I would never say that I uh, that I would be doing what I'm doing. It would not have even been something that I would have thought was possible because uh, I had sort of lived like the limits were true. So I would say that, yeah, just uh, what I now see is possible is that, you know, the opportunities are endless and the possibilities are endless. Mm. Only with hard work, of course, there needs mm. to be the doing part. And also when there's a real authentic commitment to the cause of what you're, what you're up to, mm. I think when you can connect those two, the possibilities are endless and I think anything's possible inside of that. And why do you think people would disagree with that? Why, why, why do you think people would come with the pitchforks and the flames and say, nah, she's a witch. And the sign. She's yeah, yeah. Domination. <laughs> <at> the stake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that people like to stay safe and like to think that there's that there is true limits to what they can achieve. Um, I, I think that if that was me, I would have said years ago, well, no, I probably would have put the blame on others stopping me from have being uh, what I wanted to be. Mm. So I would have blamed my circumstances, the people around me, uh, other people holding me back from what's possible versus realizing that that's all made up and that doesn't, that's not actually what's getting in the way. So I think that's probably what I would see in terms of why people would think it's not possible. That's interesting. I want you to go a little bit deeper as well into the, the bit, yeah. cause I haven't considered that part yet. Hmm. Um, is the true commitment to the cause. What is, what does that hmm. mean? Yeah, I, I think that, when you say you want something without really understanding what is what's the what am, what does this mean to me and why do I want it and what difference would it make beyond me uh, something much bigger than myself without really understanding what that is it's kind of a it's, it's just that surface level of commitment saying that I want something because I want something. But when you understand what it connects to beyond yourself, 
there's a greater commitment. It's like it's no longer forced on you. It's like you 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 are it. Uh, the 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 commitment becomes way more authentic. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it's no longer driven by you, if mm. that makes sense. That makes sense. And that would also tie into yeah. staying the course as well, right? Like being able to, yeah. to actually do it. Because like I've, you know, made a mind said to me, you know, anyone could essentially be a concert pianist mm. if you just take enough time and practice, you know, like. Yeah. And I, I reckon that's true, you know, like I think if you, if you spent 20 years like playing piano, you probably get to a level that you're pretty good at playing piano. But yeah. the real question becomes is what's going to be that thing that allows mm. you to stay on a course for 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't have mm. that true commitment to the cause or the transcendent desire that keeps you going even when you don't feel like it, yeah. you probably will never get to a level that, exactly. that you know, is, is, is big if that's where your ambition is. So that's interesting, mm. yeah. I think sometimes mm. we also can sometimes, I suppose it goes back to the business idea of we put on facades. I think sometimes mm. we we desire things, go after things and want things that aren't really our, our desires at all. Mm. It's just the desires that we thought we should be going after because that's what we do. Um, mm. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting, you know. Business, business yeah. became about making millions of dollars as opposed to truly creating uh, something that your heart mm. desires, you know. Yeah, that's that's the that's the interesting part. That's cool. I like that. I like that. We're in, we live in an interesting Western world where we get that opportunity too. You know, mm. I was thinking about this. Uh, I think I was watching a video yesterday, and they're like, "We talk about going after our passion, going after our desire." And there's this funny thing about the Western world is that it can be. It's 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 uh, the correlation between how soul sucking it can be to go after a material life, go after the money and that be the most important thing to you correlation mm. between that and the actual ability that we do have to go after what we love and to go deep into ourselves and explore who we are as a, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a being um, has never been more possible because we have, you know, we're such an affluent society. Mm. Um, we've got more spare time than we ever wanted if we wanted it. It's just we convince ourselves we want more money than instead. Mm. It's just it's just fascinating, mm. I think. The Western world has an incredible opportunity to and, – and, and an opportunity that a lot of the world doesn't have to to explore who we really are as as people or as, as souls or as whatever you want to describe it as. But I think that's an, it's an interesting point about the Western world. Mm. Mm. Second question. What are you making? What's the, what's the point? Say again. The, 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 point, is, the, the point? point is that that we take for granted the opportunity we have to explore what is truly important to us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. we take that for granted. Mm. And I, I think we take yeah. for granted the opportunity to explore who we really are at our deepest core, despite the fact yeah. that, we, that we have so much opportunity to do it. Instead, we've... Because we make so much money and could have so much spare time, mm. instead we focus on the money and the time instead. Yeah, that's the mm. irony of it all. Mm. And I think right. we like. I think we sometimes lack the the true thankfulness and gratitude mm. to be in that yeah. position in the yeah. first place. But then again, it's, let's just say you could go to say a South American country or an African country where, say, religion is super, super, super important to them, mm. and you know that they do probably follow, follow more of a spiritual path than your traditional Aussie bloke. Or a uh, woman, um, yeah. But the thing is, they have less money. So if you go to, you know, Johnny in Africa and say, "Go for it, mate. You can follow your passion. You can do anything." He's like, "No, I need to walk seven kilometers a day to get water for my family. I'm. This mm. is not my passion." Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's just this irony that flip there between the two worlds. Thoughts? Mm. Yeah. Well, there's, there's definitely. It, it appears to be, on, a, on a surface level, you have to, you have to accumulate a certain level of wealth, it, to, to almost. You know, the exp- possibility almost is not on a linear curve. It's on mm. an exponential mm. curve. So like at the start, like, it, you know, if you've got, you got nothing, like if you're walking seven kilometers a day to get water, you know, there's still possibility. I think there's still human yeah. potential that can be, can be created from. But I just think that the, 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 I think there is limited possibility. Mm. <laughs> and, but it seems to be once you get to a certain level of wealth, it, you know, the, the possibility curve exponentially goes through yeah. the charts, you know. 
it, it almost gets to a point where there is no limits. But I think what you're talking about is limits of the mind rather than limits of external... Circumstantial things. Circumstantial mm. things. Mm. Second question. But who knows? Who knows? That could be part of the cause thing you're talking about too though, right? You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You could you could do something in the West to yeah. help the East. Could the be could be part of the world domination plan. It could be, yeah. <laughs> Incorporate that. I'll um I'll add that to the list. Add that to the list, yeah. Dot point two. <laughs> world domination and world peace. Easy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, easy. All right, second question, Darth. Second question. Second question here is what is something that you currently believe to be true? Yep. But that you sense yourself starting to let go of. Something I currently believe to be true. Oh, good question. Something I currently believe to be true. I think that, uh, yeah, well, well to, to sort of highlight what I've been sharing on this particular podcast, I would say that, you know, really understanding that I, I still, you know, I still find myself sometimes getting caught in the two worlds of having to be a certain person in one situation and then someone else in a different situation. You know, I think that now I'm starting to see that that's not actually going to have me achieve my greatest impact and and ultimately be most fulfilled in life. But, you know, I'd say that that still shows up. It's still there. It's it's a, it's never going to, well, you know, I hope one day it will completely disappear and that's the, that's the plan, uh, you know, but I still find that there are times that definitely I get caught up in that. And I think it would definitely depend on certain situations. You know, when I'm in an environment that I've never been in before, or I've never done that thing before, it's, it's shows up. It just does, mm. you know, and I, I mm. try to, you know, do everything in my power to, to push it to one side. And usually I can get myself out of that state pretty quickly now. It's as simple as for me just saying, who, who do I want to be here? What does that look like? Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I think that that's still there and certainly something I'm seeing is, is no longer true, but it's um, definitely something that I'm still challenged by for sure. That's awesome. Nice one. Yeah. Here's with the questions, Matt. We got five minutes. Um, <clears throat> there's there's one on the list that I think is kind of relevant to what uh, we've been talking about. Well, let's finish on that one then. Um, I'm just trying to figure out, do you want to try and read it? Because I don't think it's worded correctly and I'm, I've been trying to make sense of it. <laughs> no, you just read it. We'll work it I'll out. I'll just read it? Okay. We'll get, we'll get the okay. essence of the question. Okay. Um, <laughs> So this these are these are questions from the audience, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so we kind of carry on carry on the question and add add a little bit more to it. Love. Um, okay, so Arnold Quincy sent this in. Shout out to Arnold. Arnold. He says, <laughs> Arnold. <laughs> if you were hesitant or said, "No one really," uh, what does that say about you as a person, both introspectively and in the wider community? that you are able to successfully run a business or challenge the status quo without being oh, tied to the coattails of other world or stage influences. Yeah, I think this links to his previous his previous question, doesn't it, about who are you inspired who you inspire by? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who are you inspired by? Okay, yeah. I was, the first sentence I thought was relevant. but Well, no, that yeah, d- yeah, still yeah, makes sense so, because yeah. Darcy was essentially saying that he's no one really. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, that's it. Okay. Re- yes, I remember. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Read it one more time. Read it one more time. Hmm. Now that we get the context. Okay. If you are hesitant or said no one really, Mm -hmm. what does that say about you as a person, both introspectively and in the wider community, that you are able to successfully run a business and challenge the status quo without being tied to the coattails of other world or stage influences? Mm. Well, I think that you, you, you almost can't change the status quo if you're attached to the coattails of of other people mm. um, because then you would be riding mm. their coattails and doing your own thing or thinking for yourself or facing the fear of what it means to, you know, go it alone to, to change the world, even though you think most people would disagree with you. Mm. Insert Mahatma here, yeah. you know, like he was a, he, you know, he had the whole world against him at one stage. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think, I think, if the question is who are, who am I inspired by these days and the answer is not really uh, anyone or I can't really think of – no one's really coming to mind, mm. it's like, great, be inspired by something else. Be inspired by nature. Mm. Be inspired by, yeah. uh, you know, you're breaking your own potential as Amanda would 
say before. Like that's all that's all well and good, I think. But uh, and that's, that's like an the, interesting that's the point. Cute answer to give. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would think that it's. I think it's kind of beneficial to just have like have a year of being inspired by no one, mm. and then decide if you'd like to be inspired by not. Who. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting yeah. point you made, Dars. That sometimes we think that inspiration only can come from people. Mm. Mm. Like, here's an idea. Could you be inspired by your dog? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I see it all the time. Like I, I had a day off yesterday and, and took Ruby for a walk in the park and sat by this pond and I watched, I just stood there for a good 10 minutes watching turtles just like play. Mm. And that inspired me to write some poetry and it taught me about humans by looking at turtles, you know, mm. the, the hard shell and then the retreat within, you know, I think people do that too. It's kind of what we're talking about today. It's a facade. It's almost armor that we put on ourselves. <laughs> To be like, mm. I'm protected by this idea, I'm, I'm protected by this identity. But within is the real me, but that's soft and fragile and easily can be attacked because, you know, I can shield off a bit of stuff out there, but if you get to my core, who am I, you know? But who are you inspired by? Would you be, would you, how would you answer that question, Amanda, if someone asked you, who are you, who inspires Yeah, it's interesting you? because just, uh, I think that, well, there's certainly people that inspire me, for sure but it's interesting because I would say that my greatest inspiration does come from things that aren't people so you know when I go for a walk and I'm in nature or I'm uh you know watching the sunset and just being completely in awe of of what that looks like and and how it makes me feel or being at the beach and just loving like uh, inspiration for me comes from so many different forms and I would say that the greatest part is definitely from not from people so mm. for me anyway uh mm. yeah so i think that that's what shows up for me uh with that particular question interesting so chase awe instead of inspiration mm. perhaps yeah because awe perhaps. seems to awe seems to draw us out of ourselves which is probably good for creation as well yeah. probably good for business yeah. at the same time yeah cool Amanda, yeah. it has been a pleasure to have you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining. Thanks so uh, much. Where, where can people find out more about the EA Institute and your story? Yeah, so, uh, geez, check out our website. So, uh, theeainstitute.com.au uh, or head to our socials. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook and Insta. Uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for making this fun and painless. Yes. Yeah, Amanda was a bit scared. She thought it was going to be painful. No. Yeah, what if- we'll, we'll do it pain edition yeah, yeah. yeah we well uh we can in bring my defense the pain. yeah thanks thanks for that thanks <laughs> thanks for thanks for creating trauma for the rest of my podcast life uh no um, I, I did have a bad experience with the podcast so you know of course what do you go to so i messaged darcy last yeah, night and said yeah. do i need to prepare for this because uh i have <laughs> actually to your point of the three thousand word essay I've actually had that before where someone sent me questions upon questions upon questions and they literally went by question. They they asked me question by question. It was just horrible. So, uh, yeah, so this was awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, up your game. And uh, keep sending the questions. If you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button, do the thingies that you want to do. What's that, Dust? We got a heap of questions yeah, coming keep, in. Keep, keep them coming because yeah. we might do a dedicated um, Q and A Q and A session. Exactly. So. Probably have to eventually if we only answer one yeah. per episode. Well, we're just having such great chats. We'll leave the questions. But thanks again, Amanda, and thanks, uh, we uh, we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Great. Thanks, guys. Loved it. Cheers. Bye.